Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the Special Needs Survival Podcast. This week, as usual, what a whirlwind. Um, lots of things going on, especially in the law practice. And I really have so much to say, but you know what? I have a lot of uh, events going on this week, so I'm going to be talking a lot to my audience, which is a crossover audience, um, doing a webinar series that starts this week and going to be hosting my friend, Eric Jorgensen, who is doing a program about transition planning and your disability planning roadmap. So exciting, very exciting. Um, so I'm not going to talk a lot in the intro this week. Um, Lots going on, and uh, I just really want to focus in on my guest this week, who is Matthew Kenslow. Um, he is a young man with autism spectrum disorder. Uh, he is fantastic. What a great guy. It was so great talking with him. So nice to meet him. He's an author. He wrote a book called Juggling the Issues, and um, his book is a life story, but it is based on his life, not completely all about his life. And it's, it's really interesting. It, it talks about um, his perspective on what it's like to have autism. And he's a person of faith. So it's sprinkled with a lot of um, faith-based topics. And there are so many things in there that I resonate with. Um, of course, I don't know what it's like to be a person with autism um, and to, you know, be in his skin. Uh, but, you know, some of the things that he's faced, I certainly resonate with. And also watching my own children go through these things, I really, I really appreciate as a parent. I've always wondered what is it like? I've always wanted to ask them. And Elizabeth could never tell me because she was nonverbal. Caroline never really talked to me. So I never could hear from her words, what was it like for her? So uh, it answered a lot of questions for me somewhat, you know, what were things like for her? I just loved his resiliency. Um, and so appreciated just hearing his point of view. And really love talking to him about autism acceptance and that, you know, the spread of acceptance throughout the world and throughout communities was really terrific. I loved learning about the Royal Rangers program, which is a little bit different than the Boy Scouts and how uh, fantastic it was that he, you know, achieved the gold medal. That was something that took him a really long time and the very all the different things that he was interested in throughout his life he's still a very young man and all the things that he's interested in trying going forward so i hope that you really enjoy this podcast i hope that you'll buy his book um and i hope that you really you know catch fire with his spirit and his resiliency and if you're feeling troubled or down and you need a little boost and a little lift and a little oomph to go forward with something creative or something that you were just, you know, struggling 
and wanted to try or just couldn't get over that hump. I hope this will give you that little extra something, something that you needed to go forward. Because I know that after talking with Matthew, I felt, I felt that lift I really needed, you know? Um, and the last couple of weeks have been both so joyful and so, um, you know, poundingly hard as well for me, uh, you know, because I feel like I've been getting it from all sides, kind of like the ocean coming at me. I love the ocean. It's terrific. It's amazing. The sun on your face and the smell just brings me back to childhood. But when the surf is really, really hard, it can knock you around a bit. So you get both that joyful you know, flavor or the joyfulness of being in the water, but also it can be really rough on you at the same time. And that's kind of how I felt these last couple of weeks. It's been a lot. There's been a lot going on. Um, and it is really changing me forever. Um, and I'm enjoying it, but it's some rough going right now. Um, so Matthew, thank you. Uh, this has been really terrific meeting you and you have been another person that I've been privileged to know uh, who has really had an impact on me. So thank you for sharing your story with the world. Thank you for sharing your story with me. Really appreciate it. And audience, I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Thank you. Thank you. Here we go. So I'm here today with Matthew Kenslow. I'm so excited to meet him. It has been a little bit trying to get him scheduled because we are both so busy. Matthew has written a book. I'm super excited about it. All of the information about Matthew's book is in the show notes, and we're going to talk about his really fascinating life today. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ned, for having me. So Matthew, I want to talk a little bit about just your background first. You are a young man of many talents, and can you tell the audience a little bit about your, for lack of a better term, your diagnoses, which is what, you know, brings you here today and what we're going to talk about. Okay, yeah, my, I was first diagnosed with the speech delay when I was three, and I consequently took speech therapy throughout school, and a few years later in 2001, or circa 2001, I was formally diagnosed with what was called Asperger syndrome under DSM-4. Nowadays, it's just diagnosed as autism spectrum disorder. And I had special day classes until second grade. And in third grade, I was mainstreamed because they felt that I could handle a normal class setting. And I was in that from third grade all the way to 12th grade. Okay. And there's so much about your schooling that shows up in your book. And I want to kind of go through some things one at a time. First of all, can you talk to us a bit about friendships? What was that like for you, making friends and maintaining friendships throughout school? That, I would say it's like a roller coaster. I mean, throughout mm -hmm. school, I've kind of bit made a lot of friends, but they were kind of a bit like conversational friends, not really friends that I would hang out after school most of the time. A lot of them appreciated like me being there and talking with them. And but 
I think deep down, I've always wanted to socialize in that sense, but it was nervous for me to ask them myself. And so I would usually play with friends like during elementary school at recess and lunch, but that was pretty much it. Um, on the other side, I've had kind of a bit the share of bullying, uh, teasing and such. Uh, my first recollections was in kindergarten, a couple of people, a couple of my classmates yelled at me saying, go away, you're not your friend. And person said, go away, you're not playing with us at a different day. So I kind of lived with that and thought, well, how could I, like, how could I be a person where I don't experience that? Um, growing up later in elementary school, I've had kind of bit like some name calling, basic name calling, I uh, had a handball checked at my face and such, but not too often, but I was trying to piece together why I was a bit different or felt a bit different. Um, however, talking about friendships, my friends were usually there. And for a time, my friends got me to forget the hardships that I've had. And then when I got to middle school, the bullying and teasing really went down and such. And I continued to make friends. But at the same time, I always longed to have that friendship where I could socialize like outside of school. So respecting that everybody has differences, when did you become more aware of your differences, your uniqueness? I became aware probably in kindergarten, first grade-ish, that mm -hmm. something was going on, and not just socially, but I've noticed I've had a speech delay. I've also noticed that a lot of my friends seem to understand what the teacher was saying. They seem to love reading, and those were kind of its struggles for me. So like um, attention span, reading, taking time to do homework. I've done a lot of the work, of course, but it kind of it took longer for me to do it. And I was just wondering why my friends seemed to have had an easier time, my classmates. And then I guess as I got older, I've asked my mom because I heard her talking to somebody and I asked her, do I have anything? And she said, well, I have a diagnosis of Asperger's syndrome, which is a mild form of autism spectrum disorder. And that's when it seemed like my life kind of made sense after that. And now I have okay. to piece together. Okay. How did you start developing the self-advocacy skills that you have today? Because your book is magnificent. And I'm going to ask you about something very significant in a moment, the, the Rangers, where you really, really stand out as a fantastic self-advocate. So was that the moment? where you started developing your self-advocacy skills or did it come before that? At Rangers or at the- Yeah, um, well, you fought to be in the Rangers. Did you start developing your self-advocacy skills before you got to that point and then you had them for Rangers? Because I want you to tell us that story about Rangers and getting in, but before that, what was going on? You know, When did you start being able to advocate for yourself? I would say that started in high school. My RSP teacher, RSP stands for Resource Specialist Program, and she helped all of us become our own advocate. She told us, if you miss a day, you have to go to the teacher yourself and just say, what did I miss, for example? And I think that's what helped me be an advocate throughout life as far as an advocate for autism after you know a few more years since I found out that that's what I had. 
I guess I decided to tell the world about it in the fictional story, which turned out to be the book that I have today, which is more autobiographical. And then I'll go back to the fictional piece later. So, And then I started to go to YouTube in 2018 and just make autism awareness and acceptance videos. Yeah, I love that. That is, it's so helpful, really wonderful. And you know, I'm not going to use the word inspirational because none of us like that. Um, but it's really wonderful that you have decided that you're going to not just, you know, take care of your own self, which you do a great job at, but you're going to extend beyond yourself to help others and to develop a platform and a program to help others be strong. Where, what was the turning point for you that made you decide that you wanted to extend beyond yourself? Um, let's see, I always loved writing and I began writing a fictional piece after I graduated high school. And then I thought, well, maybe I can make the main character have autism too. And mm -hmm. so I decided to tell my stories and my feelings through this character. And I thought if I'm writing a, a book again, then I'm going to make sure that I pursue it this time. So I went all out four years on it. So I think that's kind of the the real start where I wanted to branch out. Okay. So that was the point where you decided that you wanted to write the book was to help other people. Yeah. It started with like a different um, like premise, but afterward I thought, well, maybe I could also make it like autism advocacy too. Okay. Okay. So tell me about the Rangers. Yeah, well, Royal Rangers is like a faith-based scouting program incepted in 1962. And I joined it when I was five because my mother knew about it and she uh, had an outpost uh, found for me. And so I started to go there and I moved up the ranks for 13 years. And at the very end, I earned the gold medal of achievement. And that's the medal that is equivalent to the rank of Eagle Scout. And mm -hmm. in it, it taught me a lot of leadership skills. It taught me a lot of survival skills. Of course, wilderness survival, but also life survival and yeah. such. So that significantly helped me. I think it gave me a voice. And when I implemented leadership and after coming back as a commander, I felt like I significantly found like a voice where I could mentor boys at the ages that I once was. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't quite as easy as you're making it sound, right? You had to fight for that position. Uh, precisely. Um, like the gold medal of achievement, for me, that took 10 years to earn. Some people, it takes shorter than that, but for me, it took about 10 years. And I, I was driven by passion too mm -hmm. at the same time. And also to be able to turn around and be a leader and a coach after that didn't come easy either, right? Yeah, well, that one I just asked my commander and and it was, I'd say it was easier than other places uh, that I tried for. And then um, there was another story in there about church too, about yeah. being part of the church group. Yeah, about like the second graders, I'm sorry, about the watch uh, after school program, mm -hmm. that story. Yeah, that one I tried to apply for because I wanted to 
I really wanted to help and get experience in teaching more than like I didn't just want the job. I wanted to serve in that way. But apparently the job was filled at that point. But I did, I guess, branch out. And so I went over to the church's website and found the position and I submitted an application and submitted it. I uh, called my commanders for references and at first, they didn't get it, and I went to the church office and sent emails, and it was kind of out of my comfort zone to have that assertiveness, but right. I was eager to help serve um, as an assistant teacher, but at the very end, they said that uh, the position was already filled, but they'll keep my application on file, and I tried to keep my hopes up, but I haven't actually received anything since, so that was kind of bit. Mm -hmm. um, the experience, but at least I still had rangers to help out. And also at the church, I tried to volunteer for their um, high school youth ministry. And mm -hmm. I've been a part of it for four years. And that was the one where, you know, they kind of, bit, I don't think they said no to me, but at the same time, they kind of bit said no, if that makes sense. I wasn't able to uh, come back as a captain like I wanted. Mm -hmm. But you did so much to, to put yourself out there and to really set a goal for yourself and take all the steps towards that. And when the door was closed to you, you just set another goal. And that's what I was trying to point out. And I want to make sure that our audience who's listening to this, whether it's self-advocate individuals, parents who can be discouraged sometimes about what their young adults with autism or another disability might be facing, that there's always hope and that we should set goals and we should set outrageous goals that are you know, maybe beyond reach, but we should reach anyway. And you're a shining example of that, Matthew. I want people to be encouraged. I want people to see you as an example. Yeah. And it was in eighth grade when I learned what the word perseverance meant and how it was defined to me was you set a goal and then you do whatever you can, you persevere to meet that goal. And when I've had what I would call like rejection or, or just like not right now, but another time, I didn't take that and hide under the bed. I took that and realized, well, maybe that's not for me right now, but I could at least try for other things. And so I continued with a lot of other avenues. That is the power of not yet. It's not no, it's not yet. Right. And going through my credential school, learning to be a teacher, we learned about growth mindset and how to reinforce that to the students that the students shouldn't say like I can't do this they should rather say something to the effect I can't do it yet I don't know it yet the power of yet yeah and you've done so many interesting things so I love entrepreneurship as a way for um, young folks or maybe anybody with a disability to create a job or a path for themselves when there isn't one because jobs are one of the, or vocations are one of the biggest challenges that people have with, you know, in the world today. 
people with disabilities. So you actually have, have been and are an entrepreneur. So can you tell us a little bit about Kenslow Cards? I love this story. Sure. Um, all my life, I've always wanted to do something like I've, I'd write movie scripts or draw animated shows and do so many things. I really wanted to pursue it, but it didn't really work out. But one day, one of my friends who knew that I loved art uh, gave me an idea to start a card company business because her young daughter also did that. She made little cards and sold it around and thought maybe I could start. So she gave me like $20 for my birthday and I walked over to uh, the nearby Kmart and Joann's and got the cardstock material mm -hmm. and I started to make greeting cards and then from there I started to kind of develop like a business I would have samples and I would go around my friends at church and school and elsewhere and take orders and then I would come back the next day or the next week and give them the order and I would keep records and have fun with that too so is it still going um, fortunately, it's on hiatus for the past <laughs> several years because the company that I started with stopped, but then I found a new company, but then that stopped and I couldn't really find anything like it. And then later school got in the way anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you are such a creative soul. You always have these great ideas and, you know, you have a lot of interest. So I'm sure it's hard for you to figure out where to prioritize your time and you know how you want to spend your time. But I love that. And hopefully this will inspire somebody else. Oh, there's that word. Oh, hopefully this will encourage somebody else to do something interesting with their, with their time and their life. So there's so many things from the book and from your life that I want to talk to you about. So I hope that we can get through everything but can you talk to me a little bit about going through college and university as someone on the spectrum and what's what's that like? And if you can, if you have any way to sort of compare that to, you know, the normalized experience, you know, what is your experience like? What what do you expect the experience to be like for a person on the spectrum? When I began Orange Coast College, August 27th, 2013, I'm like, well, first day of college, this is big, this is huge. And it wasn't long till I found out that college doesn't have a school bell or anything. You just attend classes. And then I noticed some people just getting up and leaving to use the restroom and coming back without raising their hand to ask the professor and such. And I realized there's a lot of independence in college and such. And you have a lot of expectations to uh, of responsibility, like signing up for your own classes. For me, I was in the disabled services, DSPS as they call it, and they helped me with setting up or registering for classes. They gave me priority registration, mm -hmm. and uh, they also offered some tutoring services if I wanted, like math and reading, so I took it in math, even though I love math, it still helped, but um, I guess since it seemed to be like a big world, I kind of had to, I guess I kind of had to, to bear that in mind that, you know, it's kind of like going in the real world with a lot of responsibilities, not like high school or below like I'm used to. 
So I think I quickly fell, you know, right in and started to have fun going to Orange Coast College. Um, still the workload kind of got to me at times. And after persevering and pushing through for about five years at a two-year college, I ultimately got an associate's in chemistry. Okay. Did you feel that the social expectations were hard to meet? Uh, I guess kind of, yes, kind of no. Um, I think because I have a mild form of autism, then um, I guess socially it's it's easy for me to be in a social setting and talk to people, but it's not really easy. At the same time, I usually wait for people to come to me. Um, as far as talking with professors, that was really a, a branch out for me. In high school, I really started to implement advocacy thanks to my RSP teacher. So when I got to high um, college, I believe I had um, that practice enough to go to my professors themselves. So sometimes I went out of my comfort zone and and I continued to talk to professors and they helped me out. They were very understanding. I had to tell them myself that I have testing accommodations through DSPS and all I need to do is just let you know about it and send you an, an email. And from there, uh, they understood and helped me out. Did you feel like the accommodations and supports were enough? I personally believe so. Um, okay. For the testing, they give you a time and a half. So if the class is two hours, then the test would take three hours, they would give me. And it was in a quiet, small place. Okay. Okay. That's wonderful. Um, so you mentioned awareness versus acceptance. Talk to me about that. What does that mean to you? I say that anybody could be aware of something, but not accept it. I think that people could be aware of different things going on or different disabilities, but may not yet accept it. And these are kind of the people I've I've heard about or some people I've ran across who know what autism is. They've heard of it, but they because of it, they may choose to discriminate, to bully, to name call and such. And I'm just trying to spread not just the awareness, but also the acceptance that we should be treated as regular human beings, like the common neurotypical. So the neurodivergent is like people like me with autism, neurotypical are mm -hmm. people who do not. And that's kind of what I'm promoting so that people could, I guess, include us, accept us, and also understand like some of us just have limitations that, that we need to deal with at times. Some things are harder for us than others, but I'm just hoping that everyone could, uh, could just accept us. So what do you believe helps neurodivergent come to terms with their own condition? Self-acceptance, if you will. Yeah, well, um, for, okay, so for that, that's just something that I personally had to um, come to terms with, and part of coming to terms was just going through what I have, uh, what are my limitations, and just accept that I have to accept that I can't really read as good as other people, I just need more time. Test-taking 
my mind just distracts me and I've practiced, I've tried my best and I've, I've gotten better, but it's not totally impeccable yet. I also had to have to come to terms with the fact I can't sing, even though I really <laughs> want to sing, <laughs> but, um, but again, uh, a lot of people have, I have just to come to talents. terms with that too, Matthew. I love to sing, especially in church. And let me tell you, no one wants to hear me. <laughs> it is yeah. not good. Not good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I guess at the end of it all, I just decided to, uh, I mean, I, I have to accept who I am. I have to believe that I'm created for this purpose and mm -hmm. to help other people in, in this way and hopefully have them uh, come to terms and accept them for who they ended up being. So listen, one of the things that I found so awesome in your book was that you dispel the myth that people with autism are not funny. <laughs> and you use humor a lot in your life and you are very funny. So talk to me about being funny. Well, I've always loved making people laugh ever since elementary school. Um, I would, um, for me as a person with autism, I could take things literally. And other times I know when people are using like cliche or something. And sometimes I just expounded on that. Um, sometimes I got in trouble uh, with my teachers. Most of the time I didn't. I just had to learn, okay, when's an appropriate time to make a joke and one's not an appropriate time. And in fifth grade, I got the most sense of humor in class certificates in 2006. And I had the perfect attendance that year too. So every single day I've, I made my classmates laugh. In eighth grade, I came up with a lot of jokes and some of them were kind of corny jokes, but I came up with jokes. And then um, also just in everyday conversation since elementary school to the present day, I tried to interject a lot of humor, uh, like I did in a previous answer about singing and such. Um, mm -hmm. And I just enjoy it when I get to make uh, the people I'm talking to have a laugh. And you like physical comedy, slapstick and such. And in fact, the name of your book is a double entendre. It's called Juggling the Issues and you're a juggler. So you like, you, you like, to you know do funny things um but you know it has that double meaning so so sweet so nice i really love that i love that you're dispelling the myth that people with autism are not social that people with autism can't have friends that people with autism can't be funny it's great um and there are other things on here as well, but you know, as we're kind of getting to the close of our interview, I wanna talk about something very meaningful to me because I am a faithful person, very faithful. And I love that you are a faithful person too, Matthew, it was very meaningful to me. And you end your book with a Psalm that is so beautiful. I trust that I am fearfully and wonderfully made just gives me goosebumps and that speaks it all doesn't it yeah because god doesn't make mistakes and you are perfect i am perfect and we are here as we are supposed to be and and your book 
speaks to that entire issue that you are who you are supposed to be, Matthew, as am I. And I so appreciate that you get that and that you are telling us all so that we can get that too. So thank you. My pleasure and thank you. Um, so I hope that everybody will grab Matthew's book, Juggling the Issues. Matthew, where can they find your book? It's sold on Amazon, but could also be found at any bookstore, ordered at any bookstore or library. But Wonderful. Amazon's, um, I guess, the primary uh, way. It's also available on Kindle, too. Wonderful. Yeah, Amazon's the easiest way to get books, for sure. Yeah, just make sure it says 2020, not 2019. Just say I had to get republished. And there's kind of a little glitch there, but make sure it says 2020. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Matthew. It's been such a pleasure spending time with you today. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much, Annette. It's been a joy. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.